Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. If you got your popcorn ready. As I'm sure you guys can uh, have imagined or figured out by the intro there, this is uh, going to be another Game of Thrones episode. I've got Mr. Matthew Fox back with me again today, and we are going to recap what we've seen from the first five episodes of Game of Thrones and then go back in and give you guys our preview of what to expect from the finale. It is just a few sleeps away and then Game of Thrones will will actually be over, which is still kind of hard for me to comprehend after those words have just left my lips that, that this this show is actually going to be ending. But Matt, what is going on? How are you doing today? Doing pretty good. I'm, I'm like you. It's uh, hard to believe that the ride is almost over, that you know by this time next week, the show will be gone forever. Yeah. Yeah, I know, uh, I, I keep seeing all this stuff. I know, I think the first, uh, what is it, the, I guess, spinoff technically is going to be of the, the Children of the Forest, I believe, is what the first one's going to be about. So that, that might be interesting, but I kind of feel like we already know what happens. 
So I'm not sure that it's going to be that exciting. I, I don't know how to feel about it, but uh, I mean, it's something I'm sure I'm going to give it a shot and watch it just to see if it, if it's anything that I like doing. But yeah, just like I said, and, and you just mentioned, the fact that the show is actually going to be over is uh, I, I don't not I'm not going to know what to do with my Sunday nights anymore now. Well, and uh, I mean that's part of the problem with prequels, right? Because you already know uh, how the story ends and where it all is going, so there's not a lot of mystery. Yeah. Uh, left. Yes, I agree. Uh, so what we had talked about doing is we're just going to jump on here and kind of give, uh, I imagine there'll be two episodes. I would imagine they're going to be three and five that we're going to talk about more than any of the others. Uh, but we're just going to start with each one. So obviously season eight, episode one, Winterfell was of John and Danny finally coming back to Winterfell, bringing the army back and getting ready for the, the fight for Winterfell, the fight against the dead. Um, me personally, I didn't have much to say uh, on this episode. Uh, I, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good setup episode. Uh, it was interesting watching a lot of the characters kind of come back and interact with each other um, in something a lot, like with, uh, you know, for instance, off the top of my Tyrion and Sansa, who hadn't seen each other in seasons now. Uh, you get John and, and everybody kind of coming back. John uh, gets, you know, meet again with Arya, Sansa. I believe he, he sees Bran again in this episode, though it might have been the yeah. second one. Okay, yeah. So just yeah. the fact of everybody kind of coming together again after it's being seasons of not seeing each other, uh, I really liked it. Your thoughts on the first episode of the season? Well, I think aside from the warm reunion with Ghost, which we're still waiting for, uh, it delivered everything you could have expected and hoped for from the premiere. You know, you got the kind of chilly reception between Sansa and Daenerys. Uh, you got John reu- you know, reuniting with Bran, and, and the best was probably his reunion with Arya, which yeah. was one of the touching moments. You know, it's hard with everything that's happened since to, to remember about that. And then, of course, you know, his reunion with Sam, which instantly becomes the time when he finally learns the truth about his identity. I think it was a, it was a really great episode that delivered on a lot of expectations for what we thought we'd see. Yes, you're right. I, I forgot. See, I thought that was an episode, too. So let's touch on that because i do i remember the kind of uh firestorm that set off on twitter and him finally learning so i think the kind of precipice leading up to that was the fact that sam finds out about um he i really that's the first time he meets danny too as well right in that episode so he meets danny with uh with jorah who kind of explains to her hey he is the one who actually saved my life you know uh cured him when nobody else would even would even attempt it uh, and that's when Samuel actually finds out that his father and brother were actually murdered by Danny um, in the season prior. And I feel like that's kind of what leads Sam to going and telling uh, John who he really is. What were your thoughts on that moment finally kind of happening? And, and then, you know, just the it, almost like the shock in his face as well to kind of find out the truth about himself. Yeah, and I thought they handled that really well. Um and I think it delivered what we were expecting. It made sense that it was down in the crypts. Um, it was, uh, I think Bran had said, you know, you have to tell him to Sam that he'll hear it better from you. And um, I think it delivered what we were expecting. It was a good setup, and it made sense that that was the closer to that episode. Yeah, so... That, we, that moves us right into A Night of the Seven Kingdoms, which is episode two, where we see Jamie arrive right at the end with, a, in, in my opinion, one of the most epic 
ends to an episode. I love the end of episode one because it leads you to Bran sitting there telling, I believe it was Samwell, um, that he's waiting on a friend. And none of us knew who that was. Or he was, I think he said he was waiting on a friend, but I know he said he was waiting yeah. on someone. Okay, yeah. So he said he's waiting on an old friend. Just, and he's just sitting there, and no, none of us knew who it was, and it's Jamie. He arrives right at the end of the episode. He makes eye contact with Bran, and just the look that those two give each other, I thought was epic. I, I love the way they ended it. I know a lot of people didn't, but I thought it was a perfect ending. Uh, and it leads us right into him kind of in like a little almost, I would say, council meeting of sorts. Uh, him yeah. trying to explain himself uh, at the start of episode two and why he showed up where he did. And, of course, pretty much everybody but Tyrion being against him. Kind of your your thoughts on, on season two and how – or season two, episode two and how that all started. Well, I think episode two um, to this point is the best episode of this season that we've seen. Okay. And it, it was one of the better ones of the series, just some – Beautiful character moments, some of the things that the show's always done really well. Uh, the whole sequence with uh, Tyrion and Podrick and Jamie and Brienne and Tormund and Davos kind of drinking the night before when she gets knighted is a very beautiful scene. You had a touching reunion with Sansa and Theon that you, you know you didn't really expect. Uh, some big moments for Arya. And then, of course, it closes with... Uh, John getting uh, finally telling Daenerys the truth, and you get left with kind of a cliffhanger there as the battle's going to begin. Uh, that beautiful song that Podrick sings, the montage of all the people, uh, great moments between Miss Andy and Grey Worm. It was just, it was a beautiful episode for all those people, and probably was one of the most uh, emotional uh, ones, I think, in this season so far. Yeah, so so I agree with you, and I know a lot of people, um, in all honesty, were, were a little upset with that episode because, it, again, they were all, from everything I saw, complaining about the fact that it was just another setup episode. But I, I agree with you. I loved all of them coming together. I mean, uh, you know, something we didn't mention, obviously, Tormund, uh, Edison show up there with Beric, and um, uh, who am I forgetting? Was it the, the Hound wasn't with them, was he? Uh yes. He was? Okay, so they No, the hound no, the hound comes in with Sans uh with uh Daenerys and the army in the okay, first that's right. yeah. episode. So there's someone else that I'm I'm forgetting that I know showed because it wasn't just Beric, um Edison and Tormund. Beric and Ed and Tormund are the ones that okay, so are it was the just those three characters that come in. Gotcha. Yeah. Alright, so yeah, so they come in and, and I also like that kind of uh Obviously, reunion with, with Tormund and John, kind of seeing each other because they didn't know if each other survived, kind of the way that that, that hole got left off. Obviously, that's, I believe, the first time Edison and John have seen each other in a couple seasons, and Edison seeing Sam as well. So it was nice yeah. to see them kind of all come together. Um, and I agree with you. I thought the whole thing, I mean, uh, just leading up to. Brienne getting knighted was was an awesome moment. Um, I loved just the meeting of all the characters. Like you said, it was it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed the episode leading into episode three, which yep, big battle. Yes, so the long night preseason. That was one of my predictions was that the battle yes. with the Night King would happen in episode three. So I was both uh, relieved and put on edge that that was actually true. 
Yes, yeah, so that's that's what I was going to touch on. So that was something that you brought up. Um, I actually was talking about that with a lot of my friends because a lot of people listen to that episode of the podcast and like, man, you guys, you know, he, he said it was going to be episode three, and here it is. Yep. I'll go first because I've I've talked about it a little bit on on some of the fantasy football podcasts and everything just here and there because as you know we're both friends with Dennis and he doesn't watch the show so I don't like to I don't want to give any spoilers away on there so I just kind of hinted at stuff. Uh, the only thing I hated about the episode was the lighting, which I know a lot of people have complained about. Yeah. It. it was very hard to kind of get into it with it with as dark as it was uh, at times. But uh, overall, I, I enjoyed it. I thought that it was a really good episode. I wish they would have would have panned out a little bit more so we could have seen like the full battle. I know that they were trying to focus in on the characters and what they were doing, uh, but I would have liked to see kind of like the overall view of just the whole of all of Winterfell being kind of submerged by the whites and everything, and, and how many there really works. We only got to see that a couple times, and I, I would have liked to see more of that. Um, but obviously, the the end, the final blow to the Night King by Arya, I personally was not expecting. I thought it was a great moment uh, to kind of see her drop the dagger almost in like the the sparring uh, she had with Brienne when she did that. Like I, I thought it was an awesome moment. Um, I didn't really buy in that much to the Mas- uh, Melisandre thing where she told her, you know, what do we say to death? Not today. And that, that led her to go kill the Night King. But she did predict she would kill someone with blue eyes. And, and there she went. So uh, all in all, I actually really liked the episode. Um, I kind of want to get your thoughts on the episode first before we touch on the, the deaths of the episode, though. Uh, yeah. I So my my wife always jokes when the Broncos are playing. That's my team quite frequently when uh, the game is in doubt, which uh, the last few years has been almost every game. Uh-huh. I do a lot of pacing. I just can't sit still. I pace around while I'm watching, and sometimes I try to shout encouragements and direction to the players, even though they can't hear me. <laughs> uh, that was pretty much how I spent the entire uh, 82 minutes, was pacing around, uh, shouting instructions when... Um, you know, just a really haunting score and piece of music from Ramen Dwadi there that I, I actually downloaded out of iTunes and I've been playing it while I drive uh, the last couple of weeks. Um, but, you know, just when you see Arya coming, I remember I jumped to my feet and screamed yes and ended up putting my hand into the ceiling because I went so high. It was just such a powerful moment. I thought the whole thing was done powerfully. I concede that some of it was a little bit dark. I know what they were going for. I didn't, it didn't bother me as much as it did some other people that it was a fairly valid complaint, but you know, the frenetic close battle styles is something they've done throughout most of their battles. So that wasn't surprising. One of the few uh, things I thought in retrospect, though, is because it was so frenetic and close and so focused, I think it gave us all a really weird impression of how many people survived, because when you get yeah. to later episodes, you see she she has more of an army than you think. At the end, you're like, well, how are those ten people that lived going to go fight for King's Landing? Yeah. But, uh, you know, just, it was really powerful, and I... Hadn't predicted that it would be Arya, but in some ways it kind of makes sense, the culmination of years of training. I loved that Not Today line. That was a callback to her original teacher, Sirio Farrell. Right, yes. Uh, uh, I, you know, it it did work for me. As I said, I thought episode two was my favorite of the season so far, but that one wouldn't be far behind. 
I got you. No, what, what I meant on the line was, um, again, I, I'm, I'm on Twitter all the time, and a lot of people are saying that, like, that was, uh, I guess they thought that that was M- Melisandre telling uh, Arya that she was supposed to go kill the Night King, and I, I didn't really buy into that narrative, I guess. Like, I, I, I agree with you. I like the mm-hmm. line. Uh, I like the way that she kind of brought it up, and like I said, the the fact that Melisandre, I believe, predicted that she would kill someone with blue eyes, and that kind of fit right there also in that. Uh, made made it really a, a very powerful moment as well. I just didn't think that she was the one who, like, with her saying that was Arya, was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go kill the Night King now, if that makes sense. I kind of disagree. I think oh, okay. that the whole purpose of that sequence with her reminding her about the eyes and saying, what do we say to the God of Death, was a prompt for Arya to fulfill her destiny. All right. Well... I mean, I guess we'll, we'll we'll disagree on that. I mean, like I said, it was still it was one of my favorite episodes of the season as well. I think we're probably I'm probably right there in agreement with you that it was episode two and then three for me as well. Uh, before we get into, I'm trying to think. There was something I wanted to ask you, and now I can't remember what it is. So we'll go if I, if I can remember, we'll come back to it. Um, so the deaths, obviously, Jorah's. I think is probably the biggest one. In this episode, I mean, oh, before we get to this, now I remember what it was. You were talking about the armies. Uh, I agree with you. I think the biggest thing was a lot of people, after what we saw with Jorah ride forward with the Dothraki, I think everybody kind of thought they got completely eliminated because you really don't see many yeah. of them coming back. But then clearly they're there, especially in, obviously, episode five, we see a bunch of their riders right there running into, yeah. obviously, King's Landing to, to start that whole thing. So, yeah, that's well, what I... I think the, the showrunners didn't do themselves any favors in the... After the episode, they almost gave the impression that the Dothraki had been wiped out as yeah. well, which led to a whole week of people kind of complaining about the genocide of an entire people group yeah. on the show. And then you get to the next episode, and you're like, well, it looks like there's quite a few. And then you watch last week, and you're like, well, there's uh, genocide might have been a bit strong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because I know, uh, you know, I mean, I would say throughout the entire show history, what has been talked about is some of the most powerful warriors in all of Westeros are Dothraki riders. And so when you think, I, I was right there with you. When I saw that first scene, I was like, oh, like, because uh, I think even Danny makes a comment to that. When she sees them yeah. getting slaughtered, that they're like they're, all, they're they're killing all of them, and I'm just like like they're gonna kill off all the Dothraki, and we're we're three minutes into the episode, holy crap! Like what's about to happen here? So yeah, I uh, yeah. I agree with you on that. So back to the deaths now. Obviously, yeah. Jorah was probably the biggest one. I would say. I mean, I, I didn't obviously I hated seeing Edison go, especially like that right yeah. in front of Sam, kind of saving Sam, uh, and then getting stabbed in the back. Um, obviously, I mean, I guess you could argue the Night Kings was probably the biggest death of the episode, but for the good guys, Jorah... But not unexpected. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Beric and Ed, not... I mean, it's sad that they died, not unexpected. Night yes. King dying, I figured that was going to happen. Melisandre dying, she actually had more of a redemptive arc in that episode than I had expected. You know, I don't forgive her for burning a child to death, yeah. but uh, it seemed like a more fitting ending. Jorah, not surprising he died, but still very emotional and tough. For me, probably the most surprising um, was when Bran tells Theon that he's a good man. Yeah. I mean, you figured Theon was going to die, and I never thought of Theon as a character that I cared about until the episode prior when you saw him hug Sansa, and that was kind of emotional. And when Bran says you're a good man, and the look on his face, I just pretty much 
lost it, and I thought, I cannot, if somebody would have told me, I would have been bummed out that Theon died two years ago, I would have told them they were crazy. So, I would say, and I'm, I'm right there with you, I think he is probably the most redeemed character, in my opinion. He, you know, when you first see him, he's obviously there with the Starks, almost as, I wouldn't say an adoptive child of him, because obviously we know why he ended up with the Starks, but he was he was pretty much a part of that family, and then when you see him kind of come back, take, take over the Starks' castle, you or take over Winterfell, you really kind of feel like he's going down a path that's going to lead him to to be a hated character. I mean, I, I still feel bad for what happened to him by Ramsey. Uh, I, I, that's just a, a yeah. horrible thing to happen. Not just the, obviously what happens to his body, but just the, the way that he's come treated by Ramsey. But I think we all agree at this point, probably Ramsey's the, the worst character, not in, in a bad way, but like the just villainized character in the whole show. Um, yeah. I think... Maybe not after last week. Well, that's true. Yeah, and we'll get to that. Uh, but uh, I've loved the way that he did. He he really kind of stepped up for Sansa, though, and helped her get away from yep. Ramsey. And I think that's why they had such a passionate embrace there in Episode 2, him kind of coming back and then the whole, I want to fight for you. And then even at the end of Episode 2, when he said when he asked Bran, let me protect you. Let me be the one who yeah. guards you. Um, that that is all. In all honesty, when I saw that, I was like, "Man, he's gonna." He's. I thought in my head he might end up dying there, and I'm right there with you. Like at that moment when Bran turns to him, and almost in like a, you know, because you see him kind of ask for forgiveness in a way. I can't remember exactly what Theon says to Bran uh, after he starts killing all those whites, but he, or right before that, he's like, "But I'm sorry for everything that I did to you." And and Bran yeah. right there in that last moment, it's like, "You're a good person." I mean, like I'm right there with you. It hit me in the feels. I was like, "Man, like." It sucks now to see that he's he's going to go out after he's finally redeemed himself and kind of he he's become the man that I think he's always kind of wanted to be because he's always I don't want to say been a coward but he's always seemed like kind of shied away from the action at times and then we saw yeah. at the beginning of this season he goes he rescues his sister and then he goes back to the Starks to help them in this fight and he's really kind of stepped up and he seems to be kind of forgiven by everybody he truly cares about and then he ends up unfortunately being killed by the Night King. Yeah. And, you know, arguably, that was probably the most emotional for me. Jorah's probably makes, it was the biggest death in terms of what it does for the story, more because of what it does to uh, Daenerys. Because the episode before, episode two, we had heard in her conversation with Sansa, uh, Sansa talking about Brienne, saying she trusts her completely, and Danny saying she wished she had that. If there was any two people that she was probably closest to that with, it was Jorah and the Sandee, and you see yes. she loses Jorah and then loses the other one in pretty close proximity. Yes, and, and I liked... Uh, in all honesty, I, I did kind of like Jorah's death. I feel like that's probably, uh, I believe, I think John even says it in the episode uh, after yeah. to her that like if there was any way for him to go, that would be the way he would have chosen. I think we all kind of agree yep. with that. Uh, so I thought that was a great way for him to go out. So that leads us into episode four, The Last of the Stark. So obviously you really kind of get a, a feel and a toll of what the battle took on them at the beginning of that episode when you see Sansa leave her, the, the Stark pin on Theon, which I thought was another great moment. You see Danny kind of go and get one last moment with Jorah. Uh, and then you get to see, you see all of the people who died. So it does kind of give you a feel after that, though, even mm -hmm. though, like you were saying, we kind of start seeing all these people that are actually still alive, but you still get an idea of how many people they lost. 
Then this is when they start coming up, obviously, with the plan of now moving south very quickly to kind of go to King's Landing and take on Cersei. So what what were your thoughts on how everything unfolded in Episode 4? So I think when we're talking about pacing and um, when people start to have issues with the season, I think you see more of those symptomatic problems in episode four. Had this been a traditional season where you had uh, 10 episodes, the events that we saw in episode four alone probably would have played out over two or three episodes and there would have been more breathing space and there would have been more nuance. And I think had we gotten that, some of the qualms that people had with story direction would have, uh, been mitigated. I mean, you could have had a whole uh, classic Thrones episode with the funeral and the feast yeah. uh, alone. That would have been beautiful. But then, and then you could have had a whole episode with them deciding what do we do now? Where are we going? You know, John, the fact they had to yada yada something like Sansa and Arya finding out who John is, the fact we don't see that, um, you know, the fact that he doesn't have time to even walk over and embrace ghosts. I mean, th- those were some gutting things that I think were unfortunately decisions that were made because you had 80 minutes in one episode and not, you know, three episodes and 180 minutes. You know, there's, yeah. there's a lot... That, the, that we have grown accustomed to, that we love about this show, that we don't even realize how much we love the soft middle of every season because it gives you space to breathe between these Ted Poles and space to really sink into the characters. And it just made it a very hard turn to go from the opening of that episode where you're relieved that people lived and you have these beautiful funeral moments to a closing where you've had yet another big battle and a bunch more uh, deaths. And I... Th- I think it just really, um, you know, the first time I showed my wife the show, we we really binged it, and I think I showed her almost the entire sixth season, which is very action-packed and very emotional in a day, and I realized that it muted some of the ability to appreciate and absorb all these big moments, because you're seeing all these big deaths all compact when I watched it live and I had week to think about things and to get ready and to do it again. And I think we really felt that in this eighth season in episode four, because you had so much back to back to back in three, four and five, that it's just made it, you know, I think some, to some extent us as viewers, we have battle fatigue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's probably my biggest complaint of episode four as well. I, there's still a lot, that happened in the episode that I liked, but I agree with you. It would have been, it should have been something where a lot of the stuff we saw at Winterfell should have been at least its whole own episode. And then maybe an episode after that, or at the end of that episode, they leave. And then by the next week's episode, we see them getting to King's Landing or seeing obviously what happens with everything there with, with Grey Worm on the, the Armada there. And then obviously uh, Viserion, which we'll get to in a minute. I want to touch on some of these because one of my, I'm sorry, yeah, Rhaegal, I'm sorry. Uh, one of my biggest complaints about that, um, the episode in four, is right there toward the end, when John is leaving, for me, Tormund and Sam have become, I would say, more family to him, to Jon Snow, than any of the other characters. I mean, obviously you have Sansa and Arya and Bran still left, but those two have been huge to him the past few seasons, and I hated 
that their goodbyes were a few sentences and then a hug, and that was it. And then you're likely never going to see Tormund and Sam again. Maybe we see him in next week's finale, but there's a chance we don't see him. And so to just Mm -hmm. see those two kind of pushed off the screen in a matter of minutes, and and I felt like there should have been more there for for them and their their farewells, so so to say. At least they got more than Ghost. That's true, yeah. I know a lot of people are very upset about the ghost thing. I was actually telling... Uh, my wife didn't get to watch that episode live, so we watched it after the fact, and she actually had seen all the memes going all over Twitter about how yeah. he didn't even go over and pet him, and he just walked away. and And I was just like, "Yeah, I just." And I'm right. I just, man, I, I felt like that was the worst thing handled in all of episode four. Was I just felt like all those guys should have gotten, and, and Ghost included, more of a goodbye from John because of what they've meant to him. Yeah over pretty much the last few seasons. Well, Ghost the whole se- the whole time, but Sam and Tormund the past few seasons. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's face it, he ghosted Ghost. <laughs> that he did, unfortunately. So, another key thing we saw there in Episode 4 before we get to them arriving at King's Landing was, obviously, as you touched on, uh, Bran tells Arya and Sansa that John is technically still a Stark, but he is also a Targaryen, which nobody expected. And then he tells him not to tell anybody, and then of course we see Sansa turn around and tell Tyrion, which we I agree with with Danny. I would imagine you felt the same thing. We find out obviously in episode uh, episode five what Danny feels about that because she, everybody yeah. I think knew that he was going to eventually tell. Um, Varys, and then that was going to become known by many people, not just them. So, what? Well, what I think your... the the biggest concern that she had in wanting him not to tell his sisters was not wanting it. She said it's going to get out. There's yeah. no way they're going to keep that a secret. John had more faith in them than maybe he should have. But I like what Varys says in episode four. He asks Tyrion how many people know, and Tyrion says at least eight. And Varys says, well, then it's not a secret. It's just information, which is, you know, which was her concern. Her concern was valid, but that back and forth in episode four kind of revealed a little bit of how they didn't fully appreciate each other or each other's position. He couldn't understand what she was saying, that it was going to get out and it would, it would cause issues. He refused to believe that even though that was a very valid position and she refused to, or couldn't understand how much it would destroy, fundamentally destroy who he is if he couldn't be honest with his sisters yeah i mean his bond with Arya, especially but even with sansa is something that i don't think she fully appreciates about him well i also don't think she's just, she's had that it, 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 i mean i think that's a fair thing mm-hmm. to say like I, I would agree with you i think the people she was was closest to her with with jorah and masandi and i believe she probably shared a lot of stuff with masandi but that that's it she doesn't have yeah. those relationships that john has had and and, and grown up with obviously so we see Tyrion. He tells he tells Varys, and that becomes a becomes a whole thing. We get to King's Landing. So here's another gripe that a lot of people, or at least I saw on Twitter, that I completely disagree with, and that was obviously Rhaegal getting killed. Um, everybody talks about well, he should have he should have dodged it. None of us were expecting that, and I would imagine they weren't expecting those boats to have the scorpions on them either, and shooting them on there. And I'm imagine once you get hit with one of those. I would imagine Rhaegal as a dragon was probably like, what the hell just happened? And then two more hit him. 
I, I understand people saying that he should have just been, I guess, been able to avoid it. But if you're not expecting it, I think the shock value of that happening was a big deal. Your thoughts on that happening? Obviously, well, you can also touch um, on Grey Worm and the the Armada being destroyed there as well as they approach King's Landing. To some extent, you have to go with a little bit of suspension of disbelief for some of these things. Yeah. Uh, the plotting and the military strategy for the last couple of seasons really has not been uh, superb from from those that we like. Uh, it's important to remember, Rhaegal, there was some wonder about whether he died fighting the Night King because he was severely injured and damaged. Um, so I think what you're also seeing is one of the things that Sansa urged was that they should wait and gather their regather their strength and heal a little and Danny was impatient to push toward her ultimate goal. I think her dragon paid the price for that. Rhaegal, when you see him flying, he has holes in his wings. Yeah. He's not a hundred percent. There was the element of surprise. He was also always weaker than Drogon. Um so not that surprising that he got staked and couldn't overcome it. I mean, he had a gaping t- chest wound from yeah. where Viserion had taken a chunk out of him uh, the week before. So, you know, I understand complaints, but you have to consider the situation as well. Yeah, I agree with you. Like I said, I, I thought that was a little bit uh, nitpicking when I saw a lot of people complaining about that. I was just like, I mean... So you you can uh, you can believe that there's a dragon there's two dragons flying in the sky but then you can't imagine a scorpion hits one of them like I just uh, uh, to me I, I felt like it was a it was an interesting moment because the one thing that uh, something we had both just touched on earlier was in past Game of Thrones seasons we likely would have seen them preparing for Danny coming to King's Landing because they would have cut yeah. back to King's Landing eventually and we haven't really seen that so we had really no idea what was going on at King's Landing besides obviously Euron going there and the whole him interacting with Cersei stuff. We had no idea what they were doing with the fleet and then putting the scorpions all around the castle and the boat. So that kind of became a shock to everybody how well prepared it looked like they were for Danny and and the the her army coming to King's Landing. Well they had a lot of time to prepare. The one of the sacrifices obviously of the pacing and the amount of time they have Cersei and Euron were barely in the season. Neither of them appeared at all in episodes two and three, and they only really appear in the back half of four and briefly in episode one. So, I mean, again, if we were on a more traditional 10-episode throne season, the events that we had in episode four probably would have played out over at least three episodes, and then maybe you're seeing it differently. Three 60-minute episodes gives more space to breathe, more moments with these characters more time to understand the passage of time and to get a sense you know it's just that's the show we we might have wanted but that's not the show we have and we have to lean into what we have right so right as uh the episode is closing out so obviously uh gray worm is with with their fleet and the boats get destroyed by the scorpions masande gets captured and it leads to them, Tyrion proposing a, uh, pretty much a call to surrender for Cersei. He, he says they should go meet Cersei and appeal to her quote unquote better nature, you know, think of her child that she is pregnant with and see if they will free Masande and if she'll just surrender. That obviously does not work. They end up beheading Masande in front of Grey Worm and Danny, which I think is what really kind of leads 
to what happens in episode five. Uh, the kind of carnage yep. and everything that happens um, with, uh, I guess you could say, those two. Because uh, I feel like Grey Worm participates just as much in it as, as Danny does. But let's start yep. off at the start of episode five. Kind of, I think the worst thing about it was you really get nothing out of the Golden Company. Which I, I don't know if they were... Uh, you know, a lot of people were hoping for elephants. I know we talked about that at the beginning before uh, before the show kicked off its final season. Uh, the talks about, obviously, the elephants last season. We were hoping, hey, we're going to see some elephants. They didn't come. I guess they did a good job of explaining that elephants can't come on both in such a long journey. Okay, I can understand that. But really, we get nothing out of the Golden Company. They are pretty much decimated within the first few oh. minutes of the episode. So kind of your overall thoughts on, on uh, episode five. And we can get into kind of some of the bigger deaths and and everything that happens there. Oh wait, I take that back. Before we move on to episode five, we have to touch on episode four. I had this right here on my notes, and I forgot all about it. So Jamie and Brienne was amazing, and then it ends, and that sucks. Uh, I was excited to see that happen. Obviously, it was hurt that Tormund didn't end up getting with Brienne because we saw how much he loved her, but. It really kind of seemed like Brienne has, has kind of fallen in love with Jamie over the past few seasons with everything they have been through. To see them get together, I thought was it was a great moment. And then to see it end there at the end of episode four where he says, I, I would almost say, I know I'm sure that he is very much in love with Cersei, but I would say it's almost like an addiction to Cersei uh, in the way that he's like, I have to go be with her and I have to save her. Just your thoughts on that before we get into to episode five. Um, there were parts of it that were that were fine. I I think it doesn't play well uh, as well uh, overall because of the same pacing problem. That's probably a, a another storyline that takes a real hit because of pacing. If it hadn't been within the span of thirty minutes in one episode that you see them get together and then him leave her, yeah, um, you might you know, you could have embraced that a little bit more. I thought it made logical sense that they were moving toward each other. Uh, you know, it's just a, a part that kind of got compressed and kind of got squeezed. I, at the end of four, thought he was leaving because he felt compelled to go back to stop his sister, and that didn't turn out uh, to be so. Yeah. I'm even less a fan of how that ended now that we've seen how the rest of it played out in episode five. Um, I'm sort of more ambivalent toward that just because I think it's such a victim of pacing mm -hmm. and it followed, you know, probably made sense for the characters, but wasn't what we might've hoped for as fans. Yeah. Yeah. The, a lot. Of, I know a lot of people thought when when he said he was going to go back that there was thoughts that he might end up. I know a lot of people thought that he might be the one who actually kills Cersei. Uh, so a lot yep. of people thought that that might be what was happening in there. Um, I honestly thought I believed what he said that he just he needed Cersei. I mean he's really been a very consistent character throughout the entire series, and many times saying that to, to especially even to Cersei at times that even especially after he lost his hand that. She was the only thing that mattered, and they were the only thing that mattered to him. Uh, so I really kind of thought when, when you saw the way he acted when Sansa was explaining the news to him and then what he said to Brienne, I thought he was going to go back to try and save her, not to kill her or anything like that. So uh, I was interested to see how all that played out. So now let's jump into Season 5 
or season five, episode five here. The battle, everything that happens. I'm just going to let you take it, and then I'll just kind of give my thoughts on it at the end, because I'm, I'm a little torn on the episode, so go ahead. Just whatever you want to talk about. I, let's save the, the, the deaths for the end, because I want to get more into those, but but your thoughts on the overall episode, uh, episode five. Um, I thought it was okay. Uh, I think we're having a difficulty now as, as we get really close to the end, um, we're seeing what's actually going to happen and it really limits the possibility of what we hoped or wondered it might happen. So I think to some extent, many people have to find a way to mourn the loss of their pet theories or their hopes and dreams in some way for these characters. And, try to focus on what is it's hard to completely feel like I want to have a firm opinion or a judgment on episode five until we've seen the finale, because um, I likened it a little bit to when I first saw infinity war, the Avengers film, I really intensely disliked uh, a lot of the choices they made and it left me frustrated. And after I saw the completion of the story in Endgame, I had a little bit of a different perspective on what they had done in the chapter before because it wasn't the complete story. And I feel like we still are missing 80 minutes uh, that are going to complete the story. And it's in some ways a little unfair to completely judge all the decisions they've made at this point. That being said, it's not entirely surprising to see how what happened with Daenerys. They have brought up these tendencies and these possibilities ever since season one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think many of us who uh, had grown to like the actress and the character had hopes that it could end a different way, um, but this is the way that it is ending. And so I didn't think it felt completely out of character. You can be disappointed in the decision the character makes without feeling like it's a betrayal of the character. It was very tough to watch her just burning people to death, but you're supposed to feel a little bit appalled and you're supposed to see the way that it makes John and Arya and Davos and Tyrion uh, feel appalled because I think that's setting up what we're going to see in the end game in this final episode. But in the midst of that, Clegane Bowl um, had to be everything, you know, we kind of hoped for. I yeah. thought that was a great uh, sequence. My biggest probably disappointment with the entire episode is the resolution for Cersei. There was a yeah. lot of feelings and theories and um uh, while I understand in some ways it seems a fitting end for her and Jamie, I thought that that was somewhat narratively disappointing and frustrating to see a character who had had that much of a presence. Uh, she really didn't do anything in that episode, had some kind of pointless and ridiculous scenes. Uh, and again, Lena Headey has been one of the better actresses in the series. And then the way she kind of goes out, the Valencar theory of how she might die had been so important to a lot of show fans and book readers and seemed to have just gone out the window. Yeah. So we'll start, uh, I'll start it at the beginning there. So the whole thing with Varys, um, I know a lot of people talking about him. He clearly had picked his side and wanting to, and, and believing in Jon Snow. And I think now we all, 
I'm sure a lot of people f- agreed with him from because John has always been it seemed a, it seems a very level-headed person, very kind person. Not that Danny hasn't, uh, but that John has just kind of been compassionate. I feel a lot of people root for John. We we talked about it. Uh, we know that a lot of people he is their favorite character. And uh, so we see that uh, obviously at the beginning of the episode, it seems like Varys was trying to poison Danny. We don't know that a, a to be a fact, but that is kind of what is implied. They all kind of find out Tyrion goes and talks to her. We see her kind of completely messed up, and and I, I agree with you. They've been kind of hinting and showing her kind of growing. I would say darker over the seasons. She started out as a very it seemed understanding and gentle person, and as things have happened to her in her life, it seems like she's kind of become strong. Not just in a bad way, but she's become very much stronger and more belief in herself, but also darker at times. And then. When you lose people as close to her as Missandei and Jorah were, as we've talked about, I'm sure that does bad things to a person. And then to find out now Varys, who again was one of her closest advisors, has turned on her. You see her not really trusting Tyrion anymore, who is another person that she's leaned on very heavily. She seems to, uh, I guess, I don't want to say going mad, but kind of losing her mind and and, and becoming, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, just very angry with everything. So we see the way... Varys died. Do you have any issues with him kind of going out like that? I thought it was a very good moment with him and Tyrion. Uh, Tyrion kind of saying goodbye to to probably his closest friend uh, besides Jaime in, in in Westeros. Yeah, I mean it's not that surprising uh, based on what we saw the episode before. I didn't think it would happen where it happened, but um, I guess it sort of made sense and. Um, you know, we're left to wonder, we saw him writing letters uh, yeah. to see if anything ends up coming of that here in the finale. Yeah, that that will be interesting. So then the next scene that really kind of took me was the scene between Tyrion and Jamie. So obviously after the whole thing with Varys, we, Danny lets Tyrion know that uh, Jamie has been captured trying to get past their lines. And Tyrion goes and, and frees him and I thought was one of the most powerful scenes in the entire show. The way that he, you know, talked to Jamie and, and was like, you know, pretty much admitting that there's a very realistic chance that once Danny finds out that he let Jamie go, that he could be killed, but he didn't care because Jamie uh, was his one true friend and, and the only person in their family that ever really cared about him. I love that moment. I thought it was a very powerful moment and seeing him then go to Davos and, and setting up a way to save Jamie and his sister, who again, Cersei, we all know has been just extremely unkind to Tyrion throughout the entire series run here. Um, and the fact that he still showed compassion toward her and everything, I thought, again, was a more powerful moment and then setting up the boat to allow them to possibly escape. Uh, just do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, his final scene with his brother Jamie was great. They've had great scenes uh, throughout the series. I think it was more about his love for Jamie than even yeah. his compassion for Cersei and also his hope that he could save the innocence of yes. the city. You know, I think even at that point, Tyrion knows what's likely to happen and he's doing what he thinks he can to try to abate it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He very many... Very often that episode kept talking, of, especially to Jamie, multiple times in their last embrace. They're telling him to make sure to ring the bells, which which becomes a, a big deal later. Um, so then we get to the fight scene. Obviously, uh, 
Drogon comes in and just destroys the the fleet. Uh, looks like he kills off Euron fairly quickly. Uh, we'll get to a little thing with him here, obviously, in a little bit. Uh, but kind of destroys the fleet, comes in, wipes out the Golden Company, as I talked about earlier, pretty much within one fell swoop. Blows down the walls, and then the North and the rest of the Insolid and Dothraki are able to get into King's Landing, and it starts kind of a, a massacre. Uh, Drogon goes, he takes out all the scorpions to pretty much eliminate that threat, and as we see all this stuff going on, uh, I want to get on into the Euron. Uh, I really kind of hated that fight scene between Euron and Jamie. I kind of felt like it was not needed, if that makes sense. Uh, uh, you know, obviously they get in a fight. Yeah. Euron, in my opinion, deals some fairly serious blows to Jamie. Looks like he stabs him in the kidney. Obviously, Jamie ends up stabbing him yeah. in the stomach and, and pretty much killing off Euron. Uh, but I felt like that was kind of unneeded. Do you have any thoughts on that fight scene? I would rather have seen uh, Euron face against his, uh, uh, Yara. Yeah, see, I agree. With uh, I think that would have been much more satisfying. Uh, I think the... To some extent, Benioff and Weiss are more invested in the conflict between Euron and Jamie than I ever was as a yeah. viewer. Yeah, I agree with you. So then uh, we see, obviously, um, also before that happens, Arya and the Hound are going with uh, with civilians to get into the Red Keep because Arya is trying to go kill Cersei and the Hound, obviously wanting to go fight his brothers. You talked about in the yep. Game Bowl uh, and Jamie gets in the fight with him and he's trying to get up to save Cersei because at this point now. With Drogon pretty much destroying everything, the civilians are crying, screaming, ring the bells, ring the bells, and they finally start doing it. And that is the moment, as you just talked about, all of a sudden it just seems Danny snaps. Uh, she hears the bells, I think all of the loss and everything that's happened, how I'm, I'm sure that some of the thoughts of how she tried to give Cersei an out, I'm sure many times here, and, and just all that frustration, everything boiling up, and she just goes and, and starts burning up everything and everybody. At which point we then see Grey Worm, which I thought, um, I had actually talked to a couple of my friends about this the other day, I thought was, uh, maybe it's just because I kind of like to view myself as an honorable person, uh, a very heinous act in throwing then a spear in someone who has surrendered. They had given up, they yep. had surrendered. You know, you just don't do that. You can see the disgust on Jon Snow's face when it happens. He tries to stop the troops uh, and his, his men, the men yep. of the North from going to the same thing. And then you see just kind of the massacre happen. You know, women, yep. children, everything just getting killed. And then as you touched on, you can just see the disgust in Jon, Davos, and Tyrion as all this is going on. While this is going on, that's when you get another great moment, I thought, in, in the Hound and Arya. As they're getting closer to getting to where Cersei is at, as she's finally getting ready to flee when, when she realizes everything is lost. And, and Clegane kind of embraces Arya and pretty much tells her to not become him. He, he's, he admits that, and we've known this, that revenge has been his biggest motivation throughout this entire series. To get back yeah. at his brother for what he did to him and pretty much tells Arya, if you continue down this road, you will die here today. And he doesn't want to see that for her, I think. You know, yeah. clearly these two characters have grown close to each other, especially after the entire, I believe it was at least one season, if not a season and a half they spent together, uh, have really kind of grown close to each other. Arya thanks him and leaves. We see the Clegane Bowl, which I agree I thought was awesome. I thought it was everything it was built up to be. I kind of thought that it would end up them killing each other. Thought it was a very fitting way for them to kind of go out, pretty much falling to their deaths into a, a pit of fire. Um, so I, I like that a lot. Um, and then we get to see finally Jamie and Cersei reunited. 
And I, I liked it. And in all honesty, I was rooting for them to get out. Uh, I did not want to see what happened happen. I, I hated the way that they died. I get the metaphor behind it, if so to speak. So him getting to her and then pretty much being in the lowest part of the castle thinking they were going to escape and then her pretty much admitting she does not want to die. That was probably the weakest we've seen her character in the entire series. She's always been a very strong character, as you talked about. Very, She's a great actress. I thought she's handled this entire show incredibly. She's been one of the most liked and hated characters at the same time. I think people kind of rooted for her at times because she did so much for her children, but she's also done very bad things for her children. So we see her at the end there kind of admit she doesn't want to die. She wants to save her child. She doesn't want her child to die. And Jamie kind of embrace her and say something I touched on earlier. It, all that matters is them. And we pretty much see her entire world and, and rain collapse around her. And that's how she dies, getting buried in the Red Keep there. Um, I, like I said, I, I personally did not like that. I, not that I wanted to see her get murdered in any certain way like a lot of other people did. But I, I just, like I said, I get the metaphor behind her death. But I didn't necessarily like the way that it ended. I just thought it was kind of a odd and weirdly weak decision for that, for the ending of that character. It's almost like after building her up to be such a villain by that point to then at the very last minute try to evoke sympathy and have them crushed among the rubble. Yeah. It, it just didn't work for me. That was probably the biggest disappointment for me in an episode that I you know, this was an episode that was quite polarizing. It's, uh, yes. I believe I read today that it's got 47% on Rotten Tomatoes, the lowest episode in the history of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I still wonder, will views change based on what we see Sunday? And they may very well. It, it, it wasn't altogether unexpected, but for me, it was an episode that felt in a lot of ways like a massive let down. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, like I said, I think a lot of that goes to what you were touching on too, just kind of the way things turned with Danny. Cause I don't think any of us were expecting that. And then I'm sure a lot of people, same thing with Cersei. They just, not a lot of people liked the way that she was killed off. I saw a lot of that. Um, and like I said, yeah. I, I understand the metaphor behind it, but I'm right there with you. I, I didn't, I didn't hate it as much as I saw some other people did, but I didn't love it. I mm. thought there was better ways that it, it could just, have been handled. It wasn't satisfying. Yeah, I think exactly. for viewers who have invested a decade in the show, there was a lot of elements of the way it came together. And again, you know, we can talk about the rush and the pacing and what they've had to do. You know, a lot of people wondered before the season, there felt like there was so much to do. How do you fit it into six episodes? And I think we're seeing the challenges of that five, six of the way through is there was so much that needed to be done and so little time to do it that you don't get the air between it. This is again, battle fatigue. This is yes. the third 80 minute episode in a row. Uh, you know, these were the three longest episodes of Thrones that we've ever had. They came back to back to back and they all contain major battle sequences. It's just battle fatigue, <coughs> hype fatigue, yeah. Um, I, I think that plays into it, uh, and I I wonder if that's a part of it. You know, it's probably a show that even after in the immediate aftermath of Sunday night and Monday, people are going to have opinions. We're all going to have opinions, and you wonder how we're going to feel about this season six months from now, a year from now. Um, yeah. You know, 
I imagine. I'm curious to see how it plays out. I imagine it's going to be different, but uh, before we get into our, our predictions for the end of it, just uh, the way that it ended. If uh, obviously Arya, you see her trying to escape from the city as as uh, Drogon and, and Daenerys are burning everything and, and destroying everything and everybody in her way. Uh, and uh, I, I personally, I, I didn't get it. So if if you know, uh, I, I please enlighten me. I didn't understand the. Uh, it seemed like there was significance there to the white horse coming up to Arya and her escaping on the city. It was pretty much how the episode ends uh, after John and Davos end up getting the men of the North to retreat. Uh, yeah. After a while, was there any significance that you can think of with the white horse there in Arya? Um, I think that was supposed to have been the horse that was the le- uh, that belonged to the leader of the Golden Company. Uh-huh. Um, and I think they wanted to create a sequence and scenes and have her be a POV character for kind of the on the ground destruction. Yeah. I get all that. It didn't, it didn't work totally for me. Um, again, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. It was almost a, it felt like a little bit of a means of, uh, her adding somebody else to her list or a validation of the concerns that she and Sansa expressed about, um, Daenerys. Yes, I agree. And so then, before we before we get into our predictions for the final episode, real quick on a, the fantasy side, uh, it was cool to see Aaron Rodgers get burned up there. That was a another fun little cameo that we got to see see in Game of Thrones. So this is it. Like like we talked about at the beginning, we're just a couple sleeps away from the final episode, where it clearly seems like Danny has now been made into the bad guy. You would I would imagine that now you've got Davos, Tyrion. Many other people besides probably the unsullied Dothraki want to see John now probably be the, the the one who sits on the Iron Throne. I guess, I don't know if it'll be different, so I'll ask it in two ways. What do you think is going to happen, or what do you hope is going to happen, and who do you think is going to eventually sit on the Iron Throne? Well, I think the first question we have to contemplate is, does the Iron Throne even still exist? I would think uh, so. I'd imagine they 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 it found a way to survive. She destroyed all, that. <laughs> all of the uh, the castle, so yes. it, it's worth considering. I agree but, with you. Uh, let's assume uh, that there is still a throne. Uh, prior to the season, I thought that Danny would end up dying at some point, and John would be on the throne in the show. And I still feel like that's what's going to be the ultimate. I thought Danny would possibly die in a more heroic way fighting against the Night King, which mm-hmm. to me would have been a, ha- a little bit of a happier ending. It doesn't seem that we're going to get a happy ending for her character. Um, I think that ship sailed when Drogon set the million children and women and children on fire. Um, so I still think... Um, and I think there's going to be a looming conflict. Some have wondered if Arya is going to be the one to take her out. I think it has to be John, and I think that would be probably the most gutting. I think they have been pushing us toward those two since the beginning, and really, if we really think about the entire series uh, of novels is titled A Song of Ice and Fire, and there is no single character that represents ice and fire except for John. Mm-hmm. And I still think that seems the most likely. I I wonder, too, if we're going to get something similar to what we got with the Lord of the Rings Return of the King, where you have a lot of battle at the beginning and you get sort of an epilogue with the last 15 or 20 minutes where we see how 
where we get an ending for some of these characters. I hope that we see Sam again. I hope that we see Tormund again. Yeah. I assume we have to see Sansa and Bran again. Um, I hope we learn a little bit more about Bran's gift and that his conversation, which we never saw but with him and Tyrion, comes back into play. I hope that Varys' letter-writing campaign comes back into play. I've thought a little bit about, you know, the biggest question is, you're 100% correct that the army of the Unsullied and the Dothraki, if John takes out Daenerys, are not going to follow him. And right. who is his army going to be? He has soldiers from the north. I was trying to think about big armies. Who could Varys have been writing those letters to? Um, you know, you have to wonder. How they referenced in episode four that there was a new prince ruling in Dorne. In Dorne. Do I was we see. Just say that. Dorne come into play again? Um, you know, is there some secret option that we haven't considered? Did he send those letters to the Iron Bank? And, you know, the rest of the Golden Company and the Golden Elephants come over yeah. or something. You know, just, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the only thing that feels that I feel pretty sure of is there's going to be a conflict between John and Daenerys, and I think Daenerys dies. Yeah, I feel like with the way that hen- with the way that episode went, and, and uh, I agree with you, the way that she burned, you know, millions of innocent people, or how, and you know, I, I get what she's saying and what other people have said about, well, you could question the innocence there, but those women and children didn't deserve that. I think that's what a lot of people no. are probably conflicted about, um, and so I imagine, especially again, as we've talked about multiple times here, now the way that John, Tyrion, and Davos acted. They're not going to just stand there idly by. I would think not. Again, John has very much stood behind Danny in everything that she's done and said that she is my queen. So we'll see what happens. I, I would. I, I'm really not sure what to think because I would not. It would also not be crazy for me to see Danny end up on the Iron Throne somehow. I think that that would be a yeah. crazy ending to the show. I don't know how much people would like that. It's been very interesting to me because I don't want to read too much into it, but I have seen a lot of talk from the cast and and then the creators as well, and the creators saying that they will not be paying attention to social media Sunday night because they're not sure how people are going to react to it. I saw I actually was watching a little stuff earlier on my uh, on my phone uh, before we jumped on to record this about Danny saying that she didn't really like the way that the season ended. Uh, ended Kit Harrington, who plays Jon Snow, said that he thought it was disappointing the way that the show ended. So, all that being said, it really makes me wonder where they could go with this. I, I feel like there's. I hope that it's not just pegged down to Jon has to kill Danny. I, I would imagine that's probably what is going to happen because, as you said, it really does feel like that's what they've been building to. Um, so I would not be surprised if that happens. And, and I really am interested in how they handle it. Like you said, is it something where there's a fight at the beginning and then it leads to something where that's just a long epilogue and kind of get all these storylines finally tied up and, and kind of uh, maybe someone as John or T- it would probably be more more possible of Tyrion or Bronn uh, kind of giving you like a like a narrative kind of thing and showing you scenes of all mm-hmm. this stuff. It's going to be interesting to see. Like I, I don't even think I could guess what I think is going to happen. I, the one thing I do yeah. think is not going to happen, I know a lot of people keep talking about how they think Arya is the one who's going to do it. I don't think that happens. I think with her killing the Night King, I just can't imagine that she also kills Danny. I just I just don't yeah. see that happening. I think the one thing that 
I've wrestled with that makes some sense is will Daenerys execute either Tyrion or yeah. Sansa, and will that be the final tipping point uh, for Jon? You know, will she? She obviously views Sansa as a problem, yes, slash traitor. Um, you know, it's. I don't think we're done losing. You know, I think there's more than just Daenerys that will end up right. passing in this episode. I don't think we're done with heartbreaking losses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've heard characters say it throughout the run. If you think this has a happy ending, you haven't been paying attention. Yeah, the not the the show has always had a somewhat dimmer worldview than you know one would hope for mm-hmm. in terms of often characters who you are fond of our meet untimely ends. And I, I doubt that we are completely done seeing that. Um, but you know, so much of what we've gotten, these five episodes has defied, uh, convention and guesses, even though we had 597 days to make <laughs> those guesses, yeah. um, that it, it feels impossible to feel certain about anything with this finale. It's not like ER where you can, I think the hospital is going to stay open and the doctors are going to treat people. You know, the, there's just so many ways this could go. Um, the big question now is, will we feel satisfied or will we feel like the Legion of how I met your mother fans when you got to the end of the episode and the kicked your TV room. out the window? Yep. Yeah. See, so the one thing I'll I'll agree with you on the the losses thing. I do think we get a couple more, and, and just to kind of tie into what you were saying, I actually think it might be Arya. Um, I know yeah. a lot of people keep talking about how they think she kills Danny. I actually think that she does attempt it, and Danny kills her in front of John, and I think that's what finally pushes John over because I know uh, he loves Sansa, and I do think obviously he has very much he has a lot of respect for Tyrion. But I do think that Arya would be the death that really kind of pushes Jon over the edge. I don't think, depending obviously on if it would be Sansa or Tyrion that would go, how it happened, I don't see those uh, pushing Jon over the edge as much as if Arya were to be killed by Danny. Uh, I think that would really kind of push Jon over the edge and really kind of get him to the point of wanting to do something. And I love the heartwarming idea that John takes care of Danny and then says no to the throne and ends up going north and reuniting with Ghost. I don't think that's the show we're watching. Yeah. And to be honest, if either Bran or Sansa end up on the throne, that might be the most uh, disappointing outcome for me because that just seems ridiculous. Yeah. Well, see, I've heard, I've seen a lot of the Sansa talk, and so that's what I was, I was interested to see. I mean, I could honestly. Yeah. As crazy as this seems, and I know one of uh, one of my good friends actually thinks it's going to happen. He thinks that Tyrion is going to end up on the throne, and I, I don't know how much I, I buy into that. I I just it seems more like Jon Snow to say no and leave, but you have to have someone be there, and so that's what I don't. That's why I was saying earlier I would not even be surprised if it ends up being Danny. Because you just know Jon Snow doesn't want it, and could he force himself to do it? I mean, he did, you know, become the Night Commander, even though he didn't mm-hmm. want it. So it, I'm right there with you. Like, I, I don't, I don't even think any, the guessing matters because it has kind of defied conventional wisdom. 
and we don't really know. There's no way none of someone's eventually um, going to be right because we've seen how many pieces are out there. The entire arc of John's character has been him never seeking power and reluctantly accepting yeah. positions for the good of the realm and becoming uh, the king, or you know, and sitting on the iron throne would be the ultimate. I don't want this. I've said I don't want this, but this is what is best for the people. Mm-hmm. I could more easily see Tyrion than Sansa. Some of the theory has been that John refuses it and Tyrion and Sansa marry and rule together. I... Yeah. That's a tough sell. Yeah, I'm right there with you on that. So, I think... I think think that's it. Do you you have anything else you want to add to it, or...? No, I, you know, hopefully we'll uh, be chatting again when we have time to reflect on the whole thing. I... You know, I saw today people have started a petition for HBO to redo the final season with different writers. I think people need to slow their roll. I understand uh, being, you know, sometimes you're frustrated with creative decisions. You're frustrated with the decisions characters make because we have our own hopes and dreams tied up in them. But I would urge people who have been frustrated um, or who were frustrated by the last episode that we have one episode left and we need to take a moment to realize A, this story isn't over and we we owe it to the people who've invested a decade in making it to see how they're going to wrap it up and B, I mean, we should appreciate a show that has meant so much to so many people for so many years uh, you know, is it perfect? No it was never going to be perfect. Yeah. Is it going to give you everything you hoped for? No, it never was going to give you everything you hoped for. I think we have to, in some ways, be able to appreciate the show we get. Um, you know, it's like when you're following a sports team. They don't always do what you wish they would do. The players don't always accomplish what you wish they'd accomplish, but they're still your team. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Uh, you know, the, the, the show that I've kind of been liking it to here recently when talking to people is uh, The Sopranos. Uh, I love The Sopranos. I love the whole run. I actually, at the time of the ending, I was very frustrated and upset because I wanted an ending. I wanted a resolution to what happened. But then the more and more I read about why they did it that way and leaving it up to your imagination, I've become to appreciate it more. And I still love The Sopranos. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. And that's kind of the way that I've approached the season. You know, really, episode four, which we talked about, was really the only one that kind of frustrated me a little bit. Other than that, I've really enjoyed the season. I've, I know a lot of people have been hating on it as you were talking about everything. I just, I, I don't understand why. Like, I get the rush factor of the storylines and everything, but I feel like you should have kind of felt like that was coming. With it again, we talked about only being six episodes. You knew there was going to be some things they were going to have to rush. You're just going to have to. I don't. I hate to say get used to it or get over it, but in a way, you kind of were. This is their story that they've been telling now here for the past couple seasons since the book ended. Obviously, with the Jon Snow death, they've kind of taken over and run the show their way now. And and you've got to, as you've been saying this whole time, let them finish. Don't. And I would say even give it a couple days after the episode is done before you really kind of sit back and reflect on it and make up your mind. Don't let whatever you think is supposed to happen, ruin what actually happens. Go out there, enjoy the episode, watch it, and just kind of revel in it and enjoy a show that, you know, has been awesome for, for really, the like, as you said, the past 10 years, and enjoy the final episode of it, I guess is the best way to put it. Yep. 
And we know we're all going to be watching at 9 o'clock Eastern yes. time on Sunday night. Oh, yeah. Yes, we will. Well, thank you, Matt, for, for jumping on here with me and doing this. I, I, we will get together. I say let's let's give it a week so we can kind of fully process everything because I'll probably watch it again just to make sure I can uh, I, I don't miss anything or if I, if I feel like I missed anything. Uh, so we'll, we'll definitely talk afterwards after the episode. I'm sure we'll talk some uh, – well, it'll probably be Monday for me because I know, I know yeah. like you sent me a message Sunday and I had already gone to sleep. Uh, we'll definitely talk Monday after the episode and then we'll set something up for the week after and kind of just go full in discussion on that and, and how we thought the, the series ended and, yep. and everything. And my most important prediction is probably going to come true, which was that there would be tears in six of six episodes for me. I'm five for five so far. So. <laughs> well, I imagine that is going to happen. I, I can't imagine there's not something that's going to happen that that will happen. And I'm right there with you. I don't. I don't might know just if... be the the final credits rolling. Might just be enough to <laughs> to push it to six to six. I got you. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't. I don't know if I've I have it every episode, but there has been some in a, in a couple here and yeah. I'm I'm really interested to see how this. Like I said, I'm I've pretty much gotten myself to the point where I'm not going in expecting anything this Sunday. I just want to sit back and enjoy it and hope. That whatever happens, just kind of, just I mean, I, I'm just gonna go in with no expectations. I guess I don't, I don't yep. want to expect anybody to kill Danny or this. That I just want to go in and enjoy the episode, and then we'll. I'm looking forward to talking to you all Monday to see to see how you feel about it. So enjoy it Sunday. Uh, you know, this is the end of of really an era, a decade long run of a really really good show, guys. So just watch it, enjoy the episode, and then we will we'll be back in probably two weeks, and and we'll discuss the final episode. Yep, enjoy. Yes, enjoy, guys.